0: in Pennsylvania. Patrick Hines I can't tell if I'm sick or allergies and my throat feels really tight so I wanted to make sure I didn't my ears are clogged does it sound that like was
1: a... my favorite one yet that was my favorite like you literally were like
0: oh Patrick Hines just a little head voice <laughs>
1: Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey. Uh before we get to the episode just one more time, want to remind people about our Patreon. Ooh. You guys, we made a major decision. <gasps> We Our next Patreon is going to be <gasps> The Staircase. The
0: Staircase.
1: And listen, we were saying this on the Patreon. We we were going to do podcasts only because anybody can get podcasts, but The Staircase is on Netflix exclusively now. Netflix offers a 30-day free trial. Hey, you heard it here. Anyone with an email address has access to Netflix for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Email addresses are free. It. <laughs> uh, it's going to be super fun. We've got three more episodes of Serial uh, to Go. Yeah, It's getting crazy bonkers. My favorite episode is up very soon it's called Rumors where we hear oh yeah
0: that's the second to last one I know we hear
1: all the rumors that Sarah heard about like like, all the stuff that she's been saving
0: so all the things that hold no weight whatsoever exactly
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, You guys, in addition to this serial, of course, you know, we've got the two full other bonus episodes, a whole bunch of mini episodes. We just added another mini episode about Jillian's trip to Vegas, which is hilarious.
0: Fabulous Las Vegas.
1: Uh, And yeah, you can find the link at uh, patreon.com slash obsessed on our website.
0: And spoiler alert, I'm not destitute. I made it. I survived (laughs) Vegas. I actually doubled my chips. There's a great story about it. Should I not mumble? Is that not good for editing?
1: That actually isn't good for editing. Girl. Girl. What are, what, like, literally, what are we, I say this every week because every week it gets crazier. <laughs> what are we talking about today?
0: Well, it's called Glory Days, D A Z E. Yeah. And it's about the club kids of the late 80s, early 90s in Fantastic, AKA the cesspool <laughs> that was New York
1: City. It actually, you guys, like, really a solid 40 minutes of this, like, 19 hour documentary is about a really brutal and disgusting murder. Uh huh. And like, that's the true crime part of this. Uh-huh. The rest of this is just like gay, drugs, party. 80s, party, drugs, clubs, gay, drugs, gay, party. Gay,
0: drugs, repeat, <laughs> r- rinse, repeat.
2: New York was still New York.
3: That was the club kid story. Michael went off on this sort of
4: tangent.
2: We were the alternative in the gay community. There
4: was big dance halls all over New York.
2: Never seen anybody with that kind of influence and power The
4: makeup got a little wilder, the drugs started escalating They were the most narcissistic, amoral group of
3: people There's a story of something good turning into something
5: bad
6: He's a fame-hungry sociopath
1: Michael Alley is an absolute genius
5: Infantile This horrific crime One of the club kids told me, oh yeah, but there's also the thing that he killed somebody And then he added, don't tell Michael I told you
4: You know, it was real biblical, it was Shakespearean in in scope of what happened. Michael
3: was the most incredible person I ever met. Just did the most fucked up things. The gore element, the drug element, the decadent.
4: And then sinking to the greatest depths of hell. Michael just might have a third act.
1: Who is coming out?
0: Is it the party monster?
1: Okay, girls, start us off. Can
0: I just, look. (laughs) How many documentaries do we have to watch to know that New, New York City went through a rough go She had some trouble. She was worse for the wear for quite some time. This documentary spends about 30 minutes. It was a cesspool, the west side. It was a war zone.
2: It- New York was really run down. It was 1984. The subways were an absolute mess. There was graffiti everywhere. There was The city was dirty and it was kind of lawless and scary. It was more like Sodom and Gomorrah back then.
0: Get it? Although I'm so here for every picture of the the marquee on a porn theater. I, me in too. Times I
1: feel like every documentary, like the Seven Five, every documentary we've covered about New York in the '70s to the '80s has that same shot of that black and white TV floating in the Hudson. <laughs> yeah. Every single one. It's like it's like a Getty image or something, right?
0: And the West Side with all the buildings Don't, demolished. Totally. That was in the '70s. Like they use the same stock footage. But it's very much like the Seven Five, where it's like the Welcome to the Land of Fuck, and I wore this, and I wore that, and yeah, she did this. Totally. It's just a storytelling.
1: It is. And it's right. actually a very in my opinion very well made documentary that needed to be 90 minutes shorter. Can I
0: say something? You guys. I know. <laughs> this movie is 2 hours and 15 minutes. It's so
1: documentaries are almost always exactly 90 minutes.
0: This says the same thing over and over and over. This and is over one of those
1: again. documentaries where like they make a good point and then they have 14 people make the exact same point. Be- the one thing that they the, the interesting point that they are making and the 40 minutes that they're talking about how New York was a cesspool <laughs> is that but- Super creative. It was super
6: creative. So it was a dangerous city, but it was also an, an amazingly creative city. It was a city of subcultures. It was a city where. Uh, street culture and fashion and music was just literally bursting through the sidewalks. Then the next point that is made is about Studio 54 and about how that
1: there was no nightclubs in New York except for Studio 54. Mm-hmm. Only game in town. Halston and Liza Minnelli and Baryshnikov and Elizabeth Taylor and Truman Capote.
6: Uh, Salvador Dali used to come there with like five uh, drag queens and uh, two madams.
7: But you couldn't compete with something like that.
6: In every
1: single picture of Studio 54, Liza Minnelli, she went every single night.
0: She lived there, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, yeah. and they were happy to have her.
1: Totally. But they got, one of the guys makes the point that like
7: people think that 50, Studio 54 went on forever, and it had a very short life. People think it went on forever. It only lasted eleven months or so.
1: Don't you have this image of Liza Minnelli walking down the block, that, like the night after it closed, being like,
0: what, "Where do I Where's go? Where's my club?" And everyone's like, "Oh, look at that homeless lady in the sequence. Who doesn't know where?" she's doing. It. She's like, I'm last, don't you know who I am? Um, but how about that guy, Rudolph, who owned a bunch of these clubs, uh, and the, the club kid? I uh, literally don't
6: know who anybody is.
0: He's the one who was like, you couldn't find a decent cappuccino.
6: They didn't have it. It was only American coffee. But on the other hand, they had maybe... Twenty or thirty SM clubs of the, the most the weirdest kind.
0: But you can find twenty to thirty super weird SM clubs. He's from Europe. He was like running this shit. He was like, I let underage kids in for years and nothing happened. Nothing happened, girl. I know, Say that one more time to the cameras. Nothing happened. There were underage kids rolling on ecstasy and drinking champagne all night long, getting right. a break. Right. So the
1: like the precursor to the club kids was Andy Warhol. If you guys don't know who Andy Warhol is, he was like the famous pop artist and the factory. The factory so people know his art but people don't really know his movies and they make the point that he had created a subculture of famous people he
4: in a way had created this first this idea of a court of superstars that weren't hollywood movie stars that weren't necessarily rock stars they were these alternative. People. they weren't
1: like movie stars or tv stars but they were famous because they were in his like weird movies famous
0: for being famous yeah and so when he died that whole scene died with him because exactly. he
4: was running it when andy died there was there was a, just this incredible loss among in the creative forces there was a sense of a sort of that that generation or that era had finally come to a close that was the end for them, and they stopped going out, and there became a vacuum in nightlife.
0: So there are all these great photos of that time with Liza, but there's this amazing photo of Sandra Bernhardt, RuPaul, oh, yes. and Isaac Mizrahi. Yeah. <laughs> They're all 11 years old. Totally. RuPaul is flawless <laughs> like she has owned that whole vibe and style totally like I'm sure she had to like get into but it looks like she has been running her shit the entire Sandra
1: Bernhardt is solidly on her first face it's amazing that's what she looks
0: <laughs> was- like <laughs> That's the hardest I've ever
1: made you laugh. Sandra Bernhardt looks like a normal person.
0: She's looking off, but she's still like mad at somebody. Of course. Someone is scared of her (laughs) and off camera.
7: When Michael came, I think he came from Indiana. He was just a naive, nice kid. Charming, nice kid.
1: So then we hear about South Bend, Indiana for 45
4: goddamn minutes.
0: Can they pull back the hate? Is South Bend, Indiana really (laughs) that bad? It's
4: boring. It's horrible. It's everything that people who live in New York don't want to be part of
5: and for somebody like alec gay uh to grow up in south bend was you couldn't be more out of place than he was in south bend indiana
4: i spent a year there one night
0: that (laughs) stupid guy that did that ridiculous quote he's like i I spent a year there one night that's what you're saying about south bend indiana the point they're trying to make is that michael alec was gay and creative and super artsy and he and he didn't fit in in south bend right have one person say that But they come hard for South Bend, Indiana, and I'm like, is not that bad? Am I that sheltered? In you guys, South do we Bend? have listeners in South
1: Bend? Somebody tell us how great South Bend is. I mean- We're here for you, South like, Bend. Like, now
0: I'm going to be, like, the South Bend <laughs> spokesperson. Like, there's no way it's that bad. Maybe he didn't fit in. I'm right. sure he didn't. I'm not saying that was a problem. Right. But, like, everyone is like, South Bend was a shit Because like, Michael Alec told you so when you were fucking on Ecstasy one right. night? 15, uh, 30 zillion years ago? Totally. totally. With the uns in the background, you're going to believe what the shithead piece of garbage says? He's a murderer. God. <laughs> <sighs> the mayor of South Bend is
1: giving you the key to the city this week or next. I don't know exactly Girl, what the ceremony take it. is. I
0: will be there. <laughs> the bell's
1: on. Um, so Michael Alec, like, comes to New York, and I don't know if he comes to visit or whatever.
0: No, he just he's like, I hate South Bend. There's no space for me here, which, you guys, is totally valid. Yeah, like, totally, right, right, I'm not yeah, yeah. saying that. It's just like, pull it back on South but Bend. But he
1: comes to New York City, like, discovers the East Village. The first person he meets in New York City, you guys, is Patricia Field. I mean, it's possible I met him when he
3: first came into my store. Something that was just un- unreal, unbelievable to me that I actually met... Patricia Field that day. She was my salesperson.
1: Pat Field, if you don't know who she is, she's best known for being the costume designer for Sex and the City. And
0: stylist. Like And she, stylist.
1: But like she started by just having her own little shop in the East Village.
0: Yeah, and it was right... On the Bowery, right near CBGB. Yeah. Uh, RIP. And it was, it has that very Betsy Johnson, like that crazy, like Carrie, whatever you think Carrie's worst outfit is, that is Pat Field, like to a T. And
1: she's old and fabulous. She's got, got this like long dyed, like pink red hair. She's got her shoes
0: off. She smoked, she's smoking. She's smoking. She's got dogs all over. She
1: doesn't care.
0: I want to be her when I grow up. She has this line later about how she was like, people just, people just wanted to dance and it's better than being on the treadmill <laughs> like, Yeah. you get exercise. Chain- <laughs> I hate the treadmill. Yeah, it's like Pat. Right. Loving you and your style, put down the cigarettes. So the reason we're meeting Pat Field is the first person who he meets, just like, of course, that's of course. the first person, yeah. is now we get this eight-hour montage of everyone in the movie, every, anyone Michael Alex ever met, describing him. Some people hated him on site. Uh-huh. Some people couldn't read him. Some people thought he was very charming. We get the spectrum. But really, even the people that didn't like him kind of have to admit there was charm to him. I don't see it. I don't buy it. It's We hear this throughout. Yeah, I don't get it. Same. I think many other characters in the story are way more charismatic and and charming.
7: Yeah. My first impression was Michael Allen was an impression. I couldn't figure him. I didn't know... If he was smart or crazy,
6: twinky little twit, uh, very gay, very full of ideas, very imaginative, uh, lively. Michael Alec recognized
1: that there was a hole in the industry when the when the Andy Warhol crowd stopped going out. Right. And Michael Alec decided decided he was going to fill that hole.
6: Right. And he was going to be a promoter, and he was going to make these parties happen, and whatever. If somebody insists for long enough that he has a great new idea. Well, maybe he has a great new idea. So let's give him a chance.
5: Suddenly he was everywhere. Everywhere I turned, there was Michael Elig. And the next thing I knew, he was handing out invitations. And I was like, oh, he's a promoter now.
1: Well, <laughs> one of the first people he meets is this guy, James St. James.
5: James St.
1: James is a holdover from the Andy Warhol era. Yes. And he befriends James St. James. And James St. James, like,
4: loves him but resents him at the same time. We clicked when we talked. But I, he made me uncomfortable because I knew that my time was coming to an end. My, I was, this was my Celebutante era, and I was, it, I was over. I was out. I was done. 21, I was a has-been. And I, this little kid was coming up, and it bothered me to no end.
0: I was 21 and it has been. Mm-hmm. Girl, what about this scene is appealing to anybody? I, <laughs> I just turned 22, and I'm doing just fine. <laughs> the thing that puts Michael Alec sort of on the forefront of this world is he comes up with this thing called the Filthy Mouth Contest. <laughs>
1: Which... Basically, it's like if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, it's like when they do their
6: reading episode, yes. yeah. In which people would go on stage and insult people on in the audience, and uh, I thought that was a good idea.
1: But what he did was he was able to show that he could fill a room. Like that was the big that was the big thing was he would right. have these these nights and he would get all these people to show up.
0: Right, he's just hustling constantly, and he's. Making these flyers back in the day, kids at home, (laughs) you like went to the Xerox machine and you handed out hundreds, if not thousands of paper invitations and flyers of where the parties were going to be. Yeah, So that's what he was doing. And people were saying, I think it's Walt Paper, your boyfriend, said that Michael Alec reminded him of an old Hollywood studio boss, where it's like, I want you to do this and I want you to do this. And these people were listening to this kid telling them how to dress and what to do and where to
2: go. Totally. He had a crew of people that would literally follow him like ducks. His children, you know, that would follow him. And he was always the one to say, now we're going here or now we're going there. So
1: basically what Michael does, and this is what Michael Alleg is famous for. Mm-hmm. And this is the mark that he made. He, he starts this movement of like, of the club kids,
5: basically. Out of nowhere, the club kid movement kind of exploded. It was all these underage kids. Uh, in crazy costumes that you couldn't even imagine. Well it wasn't fashionable, it was actually anti fashion.
4: And it was anti posing, it was it was in your face, it was loud. Clowny. Juvenile character almost cyberlike bald sort of deliberately foolish, deliberately uncool.
0: And then we start meeting them all. Yeah. We need to, do you want to start our 42-part series about Amanda Lepore (laughs) now? Should we do a little trailer for it? Yeah. Amanda Lepore is, first of all, Amanda Lepore
1: is a transgender, I'm not really sure how she identifies. Uh She was the muse of uh, David LaChapelle, that famous photographer who might be best known for doing my book cover.
0: You. Everyone mentioned in the
1: last ten seconds. Um, but she, she is a. Well, it doesn't matter what she is. She, she is glam. She's glamorous. She is like all boobs. She looks almost like and a nineteen 19- red lips, huge lips, like nineteen forties pinup girl kind yeah. of. Anyway, the whole, the bot the point of this whole story is that Amanda Laporte is a major part, not even a major. She's interviewed for this documentary, uh-huh. and she. You see people being interviewed in closets, on rooftops, in basements. Amanda Lepore is in a limousine. (laughs) She's
0: in the back of a limo. She is dressed in that, again, another Madonna, that skin-tight, breathless Mahoney, black dress. Totally,
1: totally, totally. Hair,
0: not a hair out of place. These gigantic diamond earrings that go down past her shoulders. Yeah, totally. Perfect red lips. And she's just sitting there as demure as ever. And the thing she's saying... Are so ridiculous yeah. but she's like, Well that's just what it was. And yeah. it was like for her, totally. she was such a main player then. Totally. But like where is she going? I know. They pick her up. I just love she's in the back of that limo, like the champagne is there. I know, I know I know. And she's I know. just like, that's just what happened.
8: And he would have like um, you know, like women's underwear on and um makeup. It was sort of like a gender kind of a thing.
0: So this is also when they're like we get 45 minutes they were outcasts they were outcasts they were outcasts, yeah. outcasts they were freaks they didn't fit in anywhere and like I love that they all found a place <laughs> Yeah, totally. that must be super hard to come from South Bend, Indiana which I'm sure is lovely this time of year <laughs> and all year round Um, but to find people who are like I want to wear this crazy thing or I want to like they all found each other Yeah, that's
1: excellent totally
0: but like the point is that they
1: came to New York and they were the they were the in crowd
2: when we were growing up it was a whole oh. different ball game you know we went most of us went through pretty tough times they would come to new york for acceptance that initially was what was so magical about coming to new york
6: and meeting these people
4: it made its mark because it you know it screamed loud and clear and everybody heard it
2: we got to new york and all of a sudden we are the ringleaders we were like the big insiders
4: so now now we're at the
1: limelight so Michael, there's this whole story where Michael Alec had been promised another club at the last minute. The guy shut it down because he was afraid that like something was going to eventually go very wrong mm-hmm. with the club kids. And he was right. right. Yeah. So this guy, Peter Gation, who was like a major club owner, decided to give Michael Alec the limelight.
4: When Michael first took over limelight, nobody believed that it could be done. Because the limelight had been around for 10 years and it had never been
3: cool. When we met Peter Gation, the limelight was called the slime light. I remember Michael and I walking in there.
7: And I'm telling Michael, are you oh, sure you want to do a party here?
0: But it was a very Club Kid thing because it was a church and then they'd have, like, people, go-go boys and girls yeah. on that altar. It was very, like, fuck you, we're going to do this and whatever.
1: So Michael Ali takes it over and, like, all of a sudden the limelight is, like, the place to be. So the limelight became the hot place to go. That's where the energy was. That's where the excitement was. That's what the sex was. That's what the drugs were.
4: And it didn't matter if you were underage or not. But if you were cute, all doors opened
3: had a lot of energy and it was just, it was exciting. It was it was something I'd never seen before. I couldn't believe it.
0: Right. Because first of all, this is where we hear everyone talking about, because this is important, everyone talking about how Michael Alec never did drugs right. and he hated drugs. And he would, if you were doing drugs, he'd take it and flush it down the toilet, which yeah. is like, girl...
6: <laughs> Michael never used to drink or take drugs, and I met him. There was no way you could predict that Michael Alley would do what he eventually did. I mean, they didn't even do drugs, these kids, at that point. If anybody was doing drugs,
4: it was um, not in the open. He, he would find it where we were, and he would grab it, and he would flush it down the toilet. He was squeaky clean. He was irritating and
2: humorous, but... And he would pretend to be fucked up.
4: The second we would enter limelight, he would like um, pretend he was drunk and fall. And it was just all a game. Michael hated drugs.
0: But he wasn't doing it as a way to like I care for your health. It was, he just wanted everyone to be what do what he wanted. Right. But then later on, he ends up loving drugs. But it's important for to know now. Yes. So he does this thing called Disco Two Thousand.
1: It's like his big party.
0: It was every Wednesday. Yeah. And it was the best club night in town, which is like a Wednesday.
2: Disco Two Thousand proper was amazing. I mean, you'd have a club in the middle of the week on a Wednesday filled the, all,
4: the entire club, it wasn't like just one room, every week until five o'clock in the
2: morning, and the crowd was classic New York. It's like Disneyland on crack, but it was awesome.
0: And this is when it's like, now suddenly tons of drugs everywhere out in the open. People having sex out in the open. Yeah. It
7: was just, anything anything went. It was
4: just crazy. And that was when everybody was just in the bloom of their youth. And everybody was just fabulous. And, and the, the outfits got a little crazier. And the makeup got a little wilder. The drugs started escalating. And everything just sort of coalesced at, at Disco 2000. And it became... Uh, Michael's signature.
0: Then, and now we're really learning about the drugs. So I think your boyfriend, Walt's paper, tells us about how 15 bucks threw a hole. <laughs> this is how insane it was, guys. Like, it yeah. was really just a fucking free-for-all. Yeah, and, like, yeah. nothing about it is appealing to me, except for the vodka. Um, you would put $15 through, a, like, a mystery hole. Right.
2: Where you'd stick $15 through a hole, and it'd give you a rocks glass of vodka, champagne, and crushed mushrooms.
0: Vodka, champagne, and... And shrooms.
1: Shrooms. I know. I don't know why that sounds fun. That it's sounds actually a awful great to me. deal. <laughs> you guys, but this is one of my favorite parts. We now learn about the outlaw parties. Michael Alley is really famous for this. Yeah. These outlaw parties were things where, like, Michael Alec would just, like, again, this was, like, pre-internet, pre-social media. Somehow he would just, like, let his network know
0: to show up at this place. Paper flyers, all super colorful. He'd just print out thousands of them.
5: This is a tradition in nightlife where you organize everyone on the sly to show up at some Public event, whether it's a subway station or a sanitation dump.
7: And then he would have them in a supermarket. He would have them in a Dairy Queen or he'd have them at McDonald's. We could do it anywhere. They'd go to a deserted bank and he'd draw thousands of people.
5: We'd all pile in. And you have a really concentrated party for like 10 or 15 minutes till the cops find out about it, show up and break it up. The 80s version of a flash mob. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let me get this straight. literally yeah because before this they're all let me get this gay (laughs) Uh, i wish so you would have to spend hours and hours and money where's the money coming from i don't know right totally To get decked out,
1: these costumes, you guys are unreal. I
0: mean, the attention to detail—they really are. Again, where's the money? Yeah. (laughs) So you would spend hours and hours like conceptualizing it and do and like putting it together, and then being so uncomfortable because not—I didn't see a single comfortable shoe. (laughs) You're just like no. It's like New Year's like more the morning after New Year's Day. Everyone is just like (laughs) battle scars trying to walk home. You do all of that. To be super uncomfortable and go to a fucking McDonald's in Midtown because some idiot told you to. Right. And then party for 15 minutes until the cops come and tell you to go home. Just Can't like, we just drink vodka and talk about the people we know? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to fun? <laughs> Whatever happened to that. My favorite was when they were
1: talking about one of these one of these outlaw parties happened in a subway station.
7: He took a party again the following week in the train station. By the time police came, they all ran.
1: By getting on the train and leaving. It was hysterical. And when the police came, all the club kids just got on the subway. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh good, oh good our stop.
0: Oh, good. The train
1: is here. They would go to the post office on tax day.
0: That's messy with people's livelihood, Like a, th- a thousand people
1: showing up and, and doing like, a fashion show like on the stairs. not
0: letting you get your tax return postmarked on the 15th. That's
1: very important. My husband would not be okay with it. Girl,
0: save. And taxes scare the shit out of me. I always owe so much. her problems. I hate it. So this is
1: where Michael, this is where we get another 59 minutes of people talking about how like Michael... Is now he started with doing like a little bit of ecstasy, but now Michael is like loving the drugs. Right, ketamine
4: wasn't enough, ecstasy wasn't enough, and so he just found discovered heroin. Of course,
3: once you do heroin, you're done.
2: His behavior started becoming really erratic, but there was there was quite sinister kind of drug related stuff going on. And
0: And now people are saying that he really had no personal space or boundaries and he was just didn't care about anything yeah so this is when our friend ernie glam i believe oh my god the chicken yeah just says one night like hey i wonder like whatever happened to that chicken costume
2: and then michael said to me oh i cut it into pieces and threw it in the river Uh,
1: laugh is – that laugh will give me nice. – it's Rachel in the closet. It's Let terrifying. Let me
0: tell you. I'm pulling my hair out. I cannot wait to tell you this. I've been sitting on it. What? Oh, my God. Tell me right now. The closed captions say creepy laughing. When Ernie is doing the impression, <laughs> it just says in parentheses creepy laughing. I'm like, closed captions. Girl, you're here for this, as am I.
1: All right. So at this point <laughs> – future Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani <laughs>
0: he's probably not the lawyer anymore where has he been I don't Who knows? Know. Big, it's been 10 minutes has for hashtag where new Melania you guys I'm concerned is she alright oh, nobody knows blink twice if you need help
1: Melania <laughs> um, he comes in and he decides he's gonna clean up. no fun Giuliani comes in he's gonna clean up the city I don't know the
0: party's over Larry Kramer turning this car around I'm out <laughs> And here's the thing. You guys,
1: that's a joke from our How to Survive a Plague episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. New listeners.
0: Again, happy pride, everybody. (laughs) we are just... The thing is, I am not. I hate this person. Yeah. As my mom has said, Rudy Giuliani's a dick. Like, yeah. I, it's, <laughs> Your mother said that. Yeah. Oh my god, he's a dick. She saw like he just popped on TV, and she's like, he's a dick. And I'm like, yes, mom. <laughs> All we hear about in every documentary it seems that we watch for 45 minutes is how New York City needs to be cleaned up. Right, right, and right. It's right. a shithole and a cesspool. Totally. Molo, blah, Somebody blah. had to do it. And there are a zillion other ways it could have gone down. Yeah. But the point was that someone was like, we have to do something. Right. Again, not defending any of right. this. And even like one of the defense attorneys is like he was a fascist and a tyrant <laughs> and a bully even back then. And I'm like, girl. So the thing, here's what happened though with yeah. Rudy and all of his pals. Yeah. Peter Gation, who who owned the limelight, who like gave it to Michael Alley to have all those weekly crazy parties. Yeah. Peter Gation also owned like four other clubs. Yes. And he was, as, as much as Michael Alley was the king of the club kids, Peter Gation was like the king of the nightlife.
5: He was the big
7: fish that if you can go after him you'd be sending a message to all the other club owners that, you know, we're we're going after you. it became a target. It became a target. And that was the end of them. Once that happens, it's over. You cannot fight these people.
0: In
1: fairness, like, there was a ton of illegal shit happening at these nightclubs. Did
0: you guys hear what I just said about putting $15 <laughs> through a hole and getting vodka, champagne, and shrooms? I mean... So, the Michael Alley drug
1: use at this point is, like, getting worse.
0: Now he loves drugs. Now right. he's like, please don't flush it. Give it to me. <laughs> like, just,
1: Hashtag, hey. please don't flush it. Give it to me. Hand
0: it over and dress like a chicken. Yeah. And Vogue for 15 <laughs> hours in a hot, sweaty club. Okay! Like, What? <laughs> So then, this is when Michael starts doing his blood feast parties at the Limelight. And his friends are saying that, like, it's turning
1: dark. That, like, there was always sort of, like, a darkness inside of Michael Alec that was starting to sort of, like, rear its ugly head. But Michael Musto, my hero from this movie,
4: he has this, like, he has this whole thing about how that was foreshadowing. Michael had always been obsessed with with death. He was always obsessed with gore. I think he always had a dark side. There were definitely some dark theme parties at Limelight. This was a turning point
5: in the club scene. He had like a blood feast party at Limelight, which dabbled almost as a a foreshadowing in severed body parts and and blood and body fluids. And it seemed like he was almost fantasizing about wanting to dismember a body, which he ended up doing.
0: And what happened is that he started putting drug dealers on the payroll. Again, where's the money? Right. I don't know. But he used to, like, Walt Paper, your boyfriend, Oh, uh, So hot! He, they stopped high, like putting people on the payroll for being fabulous. Right. They would put them on the payroll if they had the drugs. Right. Enter
6: Angel. Angel was a what they call a peer queen, right? Angel was part of that rough Gay crowd that hung around the West Village piers. You know, he was a street guy. Yeah, this guy Angel, played by our girlfriend Wilson
1: Cruz mm. in the movie.
0: Yeah, a pier queen.
1: Yeah, that was really a thing. Yeah, like, that was the the pier in in the West Village in New York. Really happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride. <laughs> really was like a gay cruising spot. It was it was like broken down, dilapidated pier. It was like a remnant of like the the 1920s, 30s, 40s when it was like a shipping hub. It was a yeah. very 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 dangerous place to be. People used to fall through like the holes in the pier all the time and drown Uh uh-huh it's where marcia p johnson died yeah whether she was pushed or jumped we don't know yeah so he was like a street guy i don't really know like what his deal was with like with his family or whatever but like he was just known to be sort of be like a some people describe him as tough some people describe him as really super sweet but he was a drug dealer
0: yeah and some people of course like in retrospect i don't know if they're saying this just for the documentary some people are like i never liked him
1: james james literally
0: goes "Mm."
4: angel Um, didn't like Angel very much.
0: <laughs> Girl, tell us what you really think. I know. Oh wait, you're on a tell-all book. That's yeah, totally, now. totally. But some people are just like, you know, if if he didn't have drugs, he would never be able to hang out. Right. He was always a little under that upper echelon, which is like, where's the inclusiveness, you guys? Right, Where is right,
2: it? totally. Where is it? <laughs> and he was, and Angel was always sort of paranoid about that. Like Angel always had this paranoia that people were making fun of him, or that people secretly didn't like him, or that we were all laughing about him behind his back. He was really. Only really useful to Michael because he was a drug dealer.
0: Right. At one point, Michael tells Astro.
4: Michael what you mean? He's like, "God, Astro, I just wish he was dead."
0: So now we see
1: Michael for the first time. We've been granted an interview with Michael in prison.
0: Lucky us. <laughs> Do I look okay for the party? Am I invited? Am I allowed to be here? Am I outcasty enough? So
1: Michael walks us through the day that Angel died.
0: We're up to the true crime, you guys. You guys, here we go. Oh my, it's so exciting. Underage kids and clubs and drugs and right. everything. That kind of counts. <laughs> So Angel was one of the people who was supplying these drugs for all the, the parties that Michael was having when he suddenly is now into drugs.
3: I guess it was around 10 o'clock in the morning and I think it was a Sunday morning and um, we had been up, you know, probably since Thursday night. The, the, con- the concierge called up and said that somebody was the angel was downstairs and should he come up
0: so angel shows up demanding money for the drugs he sold what a monster how dare he (laughs) but apparently it was like tons of drugs that Michael Alley was just like no I'll get you later I'll get you later and he was just handing out all this drugs for free right look I may not condone excessive (laughs) drug use but you have to pay people for their services no matter what the service is totally
1: Michael's tone during this whole interview is kind of annoying it's a little bit defensive
0: you say annoying I say sociopath and
1: horrifying yeah 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 yeah. so he says that Angel was a little bit
3: belligerent was a little bit um belligerent it's not the time to be showing up at Peter's house with a drug dealer or high on drugs looking for money 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning you know I said come in to take a nap and we'll go to the club that afternoon and get your money
0: And they'd all been partying since Thursday night. Since Thursday. You guys, it's Sunday morning. Yeah. No one's thinking clearly. No. (laughs) So they end up, Michael Alec and Angel are having a fight.
1: And Michael Alec's roommate is a guy named Freeze, who we never
3: meet. Yeah. Some argument broke out between them about about the argument between us, about the argument over the money. And Freeze said something to
7: him like, this is why nobody ever likes you. If you weren't a drug pusher, you wouldn't have any friends.
1: By the way, we're getting all of this from Michael Alex's perspective. We
0: are not right, getting right, right. any
1: perspective
0: right. other than the murderers. So this, of course, free saying, this is why no one likes you, this triggers Angel because that's what he's been thinking this whole time. Right. They're just laughing at me. They're using me for the drugs. And it all becomes true to him in that moment.
3: Yeah. Angel was asking me something like, are you going to let him talk to me like that? Or is that true? Or something to that effect. And he grabbed Michael by the throat. We went flying through my China cabinet, which was had a big front glass front on it. This is my
1: favorite part.
0: Angel this is your favorite part? Oh my God. I was like, this is when they hit him with a hammer till he's dead.
1: no, 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 no. no. Angel grabs Michael by the neck. Michael describes how they go, and I quote, flying into his china cabinet. China cabinet! Girl. Michael, Ali can't, like, he's up for days at a time, but he's got a pristine china cabinet. Priorities. What a good gay. I mean... (laughs) And Michael is now describing that he has, like, a shard of glass sticking out of his back. There's blood everywhere. Right. He contradicts his own story in, like, five minutes, but okay. Yeah, sure, girl. Whatever. Um,
3: I remember taking a sweatshirt and wrapping it around my hand. Because I had it, it was smashing it in his face and like trying to push him off. And he was biting my hand, biting my you know, biting my chest, and Freeze was trying to pull him back and I was trying to push him off and he just reached around for whatever he could
5: grab. Grabbed a
3: hammer, clubbed Angel. Two or three times. And he finally did stop biting me and he fell back. And at this point me and Daniel were all on top of him on his stomach.
5: They both finished him off with a pillow and shooting him up with Drano.
0: After that happens, they think he's alive. Right. Michael Alec says that it didn't even occur to him or Freeze that Angel would be dead.
3: We had no way of thinking that there's nothing in our frame of mind that he was dead. I mean, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even something that we were thinking could have been. I mean, we were just unconscious and it was kind of a normal situation to have unconscious people around the house
0: girl so
1: they decide to revive him by putting him in the bathtub
0: and submerging him in water so what they did was here's what happened according to michael alec and like this part i believe because this is the most fucked up part about uh-huh it, what you are supposedly supposed to do when someone is is unconscious, which michael alec has a lot of experience with girl <laughs> he was like we submerged him in water and when he didn't gasp for air we knew something was wrong
3: uh-huh when he didn't gasp for air it took us a moment to realize what exactly that meant. And I know that right now, and probably anybody watching this would think, well, why didn't you call a lawyer? You know, but it's just this, that fr- first of all, Angel had probably 50 half gram vials of Special K and I like almost two ounces of cocaine and rohyphenol and all kinds of drugs on him that we just started using.
0: What they decide to do is, this is absolutely terrifying and horrible, heartbreaking and disgusting. Yeah. They decide, let's put him on ice in the tub. They steal all of his drugs. Uh And then peace out and just party for a week and leave him there. Can you imagine? (laughs) <laughs> That's garbage. Does anyone need any, uh, any clarity? That's I'm garbage. just
1: saying we might need to revisit the idea of a hero horn just to delineate. Hero
0: harp, if anything. But we are not the Z-Morning Zoo. Don't even mention it. How dare you? Move on. Move on. So then after partying for a
1: week, Michael is saying to Freeze, we have to go back to the apartment.
3: And he said he didn't want to go back. And I said, well, I don't want to go back either. But, you know what are we going to do? You have to come back. And, you know, I said, maybe he won't even be there.
1: Maybe Angel won't even be there. Okay.
0: (laughs) I am about to stand up again. I almost stood up. I know. Maybe he he just emerged from you Fucker. Like, I just I get know, so I know. mad about it.
1: But there is part of it that makes that more even believable, is that, like, they are, they are such drug addicts.
0: And, you know, for several years, there have been zero consequences for anything that they've done. That's true. And nobody gave a shit about what he did. And even they would laugh about, like, I want to cut somebody up, or I want to do this, or I cut the chicken up. And, like, that with the drugs...
1: So Michael convinces Freeze to go back to the apartment after a week. They go back to the apartment, Michael walks in, and this is where he contradicts the whole shard of glass in the back thing.
3: When we walked in the apartment, everything seemed like completely normal, like didn't look like any fight had gone on or anything. I mean, the china cabinet was broken um, and there was glass and a little bit of blood on the couch.
1: Just like drops of blood on the floor, like a little blood on yes! the couch. Yes. Like, oh my God. Totally contradicts. Why did you go to
0: the fucking hospital? He just,
1: like he, he's telling the story. One minute ago, he said that he was covered in blood. There's blood everywhere. You're
0: so right. If that actually happened, that would be the most infected. Can yeah. you imagine that apartment? No, right. Worse than the Fantastic Lies uh, bathroom. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> so he's saying like maybe Angel wasn't there. Maybe I dreamed this whole
0: thing. Sure you did, girl.
3: When we went in the bath in the bathroom. I mean, I knew that he was going to be there, but, like, I was, I was really hoping that he wouldn't be, and he was, you know?
1: And he walks into the bathroom, and Angel's decomposing body that has been in the bathtub for a week is there. And the stench he describes is just overwhelming.
0: Right. So what they decide to do is pump him full of Drano yep. and cover him with baking powder. And for have a party!
5: A, for a party! Why not have a party? People are coming to the party, but they to, at his house, but they can't go into this bathroom.
3: When we finally moved him, we we started smelling the body was decomposing underneath only the top was not.
4: I remember Michael said, "Oh, that smell—that's plumbing or something like that." And I it just I never even thought about it. Okay, let's do another line. you are having a party with a dead body in the bathroom. It's been there for a week.
1: Apparently, they have more than one bathroom, which actually I was super jealous of. I know. I was like, how are you How many bathrooms do you have? Where's the money coming from? I know. So, guys, this is so disgusting. So, the party's over. Michael and and Freeze decide they've got to, like, figure out what to do with the body. Yeah. And they get, like, so fucked up on heroin that they don't even know what is happening. And they literally... Like, they dismember Angel. They cut him into pieces and put him in a box.
0: Right. Because, and Michael's like, we could never explain why we left a body there for nine days. So we cut him up. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Is Michael Halleck in the closet? I think he's joined by Rachel and all these other people. Oh, my God. So
1: they put him in a box. They apparently put the box in the living room because Astro, another of the club kids, comes over. And he's got a story to tell.
0: This story, so he's sitting across from Michael Alec, who's wearing Angel's boots.
1: I can't, that is enraging.
0: That is... That really
4: is enraging. That is
0: someone who doesn't give a fuck.
4: Not a fuck, yeah. I like that, not a fuck. <laughs> I remember being at Michael's and, like, setting a cocktail down on this box, and Michael was wearing Angel's boots, right? like I am with my legs crossed, and sitting in front of me. And, and wearing Angel's boots saying, Astro, who's missing? Who's missing, Astro? And I was like, I don't know, Michael, but what is that stench in this house?
0: And then he says,
4: and the box that my cocktail was sitting on was Angel's body.
0: Ah! What is
1: happening? Girl. I actually looked up that apartment. I looked up the building that it was on, um, uh, on the internet so that I, just to make sure I was never in that building. Yes. I need to know that I was, somebody lives in that apartment right now and does not know. Um, okay, so continuing to make great decisions, Freeze and Michael take the body downstairs on one of those luggage carts mm-hmm. and get in a taxi.
0: Not hot dummies, just fucking dummies. <laughs> just like We don't know what dummies. Freeze
1: looks like. I'm assuming not a hot dummy.
3: We went to Tunnel for some strange reason and just stopped right in front of Tunnel and asked the cab driver to help us take the box out of the trunk, which he did. And then we asked him to help us lift it and walk uh, across the West Side Highway to the river and to throw it in the river.
0: Taxi driver gets his
1: $20, has no questions.
0: He asked one, and they say, they were like, he was like, why? And oh, they right. go, it's dishes.
1: Right, totally.
0: Girl, donate those dishes to housing <laughs> works or whatever. Don't throw them. You don't throw dishes in the river.
1: Right. Also, like, the hilarious, not hilarious part is that they think the box is going to float. It doesn't.
0: Michael Musto thinks that's hilarious.
5: <laughs> because they forgot the crucial thing. He's supposed to puncture a hole in the box, so... It'll sink.
0: He's Columbo all of a sudden. He's like, they forgot this one more thing. You should have poked holes in the box. I'm like, all right, Michael Musto, I see you. We, like. I'm- and then, oh, and then the cabbie drives them back to their apartment. Uh, so this guy right. should be, and where is he? Right, He's right. a crucial witness in this entire story. <laughs> and this is when Pat Field is like, look, his brain took a coffee break. <laughs>
4: He was smart, but he let his brains go out on a coffee break at that point.
0: Pat? I know he was super fun and super gay. He's got to be held accountable. His brain took a coffee break. Pat. Trisha. I will not stand for it. I will not. I love you, girl. I do. You're a visionary. Took a coffee break. I never thought I would be in a position where I'm garbage belling Pat feel that genius okay. I actually have in my notes okay girl okay we get
1: 45 minutes uh, this this documentary is eighty-eighty-nine 89 hours long we yes. get 45 minutes of like the friends talking about where angel is this was actually kind of fascinating that like one of the cops on the case tells us that
7: that particular time we were like in a tropical storm so for all intents and purposes this body should have went out to sea but because of the storm blowing everything in it washed up on Staten island
0: meet Sir (laughs) Ralph Django. Ralph Django (laughs) describes that the box was found by two Utes.
4: And it was discovered by uh some youths that were uh
1: Along
0: the beach. We are now suddenly in my cousin Vinny. Where's Marissa Tomei? I know. You know that there was there was several drag kids drag totally. kids dresses Marissa Tomei in those skin tight dresses that she looked fantastic in in that movie. But he's also describing how like the kids were
1: poking at the box. Like, the youths. The youths, the youths were poking at the box thinking they were gonna find something like a treasure, and they found they saw an arm.
0: He goes, They seen an arm. Girl, Ralph, <laughs> I love you. Do you seen an arm? <laughs> Bada bing, bada boom, we got the guy. It's over. What's the matter? <laughs> I haven't, haven't, it's been a minute since what's the
1: matter. Dude, I do not even think we got a what's the matter during the
0: 7-5. Oh.
1: I can't believe it.
0: Oh, my God. So no one is, is connecting this to the club kids yet. Michael Alec is singing like a canary the whole time, though.
2: <laughs> when I asked Michael what happened, you know, he gave me, like, some really flip answer suggesting that something terrible had happened to Angel.
3: I couldn't face my friend's... Um, without telling them what had happened because I felt like every minute I'm spending with him, I'm lying to them.
4: We knew he couldn't possibly have killed Angel because anyone who's going to murder someone isn't going to go around admitting to it.
7: When people asked him at Limelight, have you seen Angel? He made a joke. I said, yeah, I killed him. I chopped him up, put his body in the trunk and threw him in the East River.
0: Everyone (laughs) thinks it's a prank, except Michael Musto. Right. Because (laughs) Michael Musto, you guys, cracks this thing wide open. (laughs) Because he (laughs) spills all the tea in the voice. Totally. There's no tea left. He's spilled all of it. Because Michael Musto
1: has heard all the stories and he just writes an article where he's like not even doing journalism. He's like, this is what everybody is saying.
5: So I ran, here is exactly what people think happened. And I put the details of the Drano, the pillow, the chopping the body, the throwing it into the Hudson.
0: And then page six picks it up like they did because he was always at the front line of like all the gossip. Totally. And then, like, some cop is reading page six.
7: Months later on, I'm reading a newspaper.
1: In the post was a body that came up on the Hudson River.
7: That torso, it fitted to a T. Legs cut off, hit in the head with a hammer three times. I'm saying this is it.
0: Michael Musto blew the case. (laughs) Can you believe it?
1: I love Michael Musto. A little spilling tea, really? I love it.
0: So... Michael Alec thinks it's a great idea to flee to Jersey. (laughs) you're going to flee anywhere. (laughs) To Tom's River, New Jersey. And then he's like, but I was going to go to Colorado. Yeah, but girl, you didn't. You went to a (laughs) fucking motel on like Route 9 in New Jersey. And he was arrested. And he was so stoned, they had to hold him up. Yeah. And he confesses to the whole thing. Sings like a canary once again.
1: Yeah, Freeze gets busted. Same thing. Like, he's so grateful that it's over. And we then find out that there was like a third mystery witness.
5: There was another person in the apartment that weekend. And the other person told the district attorney that uh, Freeze and Alec robbed Angel, which made it a murder during the commission of a robbery, which all of a sudden under New York state law made Alec. Uh, eligible for the death penalty.
1: They were robbing Angel, and when Angel fought back, they beat him to death with a hammer and stole his drugs. Right. So, like, that's what really happened. Yeah. Long story short, they plea bargain. He gets a sweet deal where he pleads to manslaughter. He gets 10 to 20 years. They both, he and Freeze both get 10 to 20 years. Freeze gets out, like, in short order, and then we hear the cops say that, like, Michael must not have behaved in there because he was in for 17 years.
0: And five of them were solitary. Five
1: of them were solitary confinement. That is not even, I don't know how that's even legal.
0: Damien was for 10. Was he? I mean, it should be illegal. It's completely inhumane, but, like, Michael Alec murdered somebody. Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, we still have like nine hours until the movies
1: over. You guys, we're gonna wrap this up.
0: I thought my browser was broken because I was like, pause it. <laughs> no, to this take movie notes. is ten hours I long. I was like, there's no way there's still forty five minutes left. I like, know, I, I really know. thought I was like, it's gonna be over in ten because yeah. at one point, James St. James is like, and this is where it ends. And right, it's thirty more minutes, and I'm like, Why? It, be, it ends with Michael Alley getting
1: out, and like James St. James hasn't seen him in seventeen. He never went to visit him. James St. James and Astro
0: yeah. pick him up from prison. Right. And Michael Alec is, like, disgustingly eating chocolate and licking his fingers I know in nap. It's, it's so <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> but, like, Michael Alec doesn't know how the
1: internet works. He doesn't know about cell phones. And he's doing, he's trying to do everything right. Where, like, he's having this dinner the first night he's out of jail. And he's saying, like, I didn't want it to look like we were celebrating.
3: You know, who am I to have, like, all these people here to be recording this? And it felt kind of obscene. It felt kind of um, wrong. It felt... It felt very much like I'm afraid people are like going to think that that this is that we're celebrating.
0: But the point is that he is celebrating. And then there's that scene with him and James St. James laughing at at the river saying, Is that Angel? Oh my God, this is a great a beautiful day to throw a body into the river.
3: (laughs) What a nice place to dump a disposable body.
4: Oh, a great
3: shot. <laughs> we should
2: come back every year. <laughs> make,
5: we should throw it.
4: another body. We, <laughs> we should throw a body over here. Every year. <laughs>
5: Lovely
4: spot for body throwing. <laughs> a little body tossing. Like,
1: also, your mic is hot. Like, you know that you're being recorded And right you now. left
0: him there for nine days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah. there's yeah, something yeah. about... And uh, Kenny Kenny, girl, I love <laughs> that voice <laughs> and that hair. And she, she's like, maybe this is judgmental, and it is. But I've seen people on a lot of drugs, and they've done a lot of things, but they've never freaking murdered somebody. I know. But I, I'm on Team British Dude, whatever that British dude was, where he was like, he's a narcissistic sociopath who's only sorry he got caught. And I'm like, yeah. Team <laughs> British Dude. And, like, you guys, it kind of just ends
1: with, like, not really an ending. It just ends with, like, Michael Alec, like, he's back, he's in the scene, him and James St. James are
0: hanging out, they're running around town. The end of my notes are, in caps, I don't care why is this movie still going on, and then space, now he's crying, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) That's how it ends, actually. Now he's crying, who cares? (laughs) Who cares?
1: Oh girl, I did not know how we were going to get through that. I was like, "This movie's seven hours long. It's so the long. jump cuts are constant." But we, I think we did it.
0: I think we did great.
1: I'm so happy. You
0: want to do some ecstasy to celebrate?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it right now. Oh, I've been doing it the whole time. I'm sorry. I thought we were together. On oh, that. I've
0: been on ketamine. Oh <laughs> god, we have to coordinate next time. You guys, next we're, week. You guys, we're not. We're not. No, we're not. we right, right,
1: Totally you guys, a don't joke. Don't do that.
0: Don't do that. Uh, next week we're doing
1: the times of Harvey Milk. You guys. Happy Happy Pride. Harvey, you guys, this is a, a a documentary from 1984. It won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. It's an old documentary, but it's like super gay history. It's a crazy murder. Like, it's not really a mystery, but it's about a murder. It's horrible. A double murder, actually. Like an
0: assassination, really. Yeah, a double assassination.
1: And it's of my people. If you like the Marsha P. Johnson, you're going to love this oh, episode. I'm getting,
0: I'm getting chills I just know. thinking
1: about the that. We, it's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so happy that we're doing this. For, I'm sorry that he's dead, but I'm so happy that we're doing this for Pride.
0: Yeah, you know, it's all about spreading awareness, and we have this, we have these voices and this medium, and yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be a part. Thank you for letting me be a part of. Well, thank you this to story. the listeners for
1: like joining us on these like you know super gay journeys.
0: I mean, I think they're here for it, <laughs> as
1: am I. You guys, don't forget to check out our uh, Patreon. We are up to episode nine of Serial. We just did another mini episode of Jillian's trip to Vegas, and you know, a whole bunch of other There's things. Just a
0: whole lot going on. Yeah, uh, girl. Where can they find us? at True Crime Obsessed on Twitter, no E-D, truecrimeobsessed.com and come hang out on the Facebook group. Oh my God, it's the best. True Crime Obsessed podcast discussion group. Can we like change that? It's such a <laughs> mouthful. I know we can now we've said it and like, those episodes live forever but You're I just right. have to get better. At yeah, second. no, it's great. We're we are like, the most fun. Where can they find you? At Jillian with a G on all the things. I'm at
1: Patrick Hines on the Twitter, at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. Uh, Stay tuned for our hilarious outtakes. TM, 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 TM. And our palate cleanser this week is going to be from Mean Girls, a brand new Broadway musical. Feels appropriate. (laughs) Great. We love you. We love you. Okay, bye. Bye.
7: In San Francisco, they can come out and not have to worry about their jobs.
2: The white, non-gay, very wealthy establishment have to deal with me.
4: Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed.
2: If we learn from history that the struggle goes on, the eventually we will win.
0: I was talking oh wait wrong podcast wrong show that's myself I there just another man talking over me telling me not to speak do I do that you just told me not to say anything <laughs> shh it's different when we're like exactly we're so obnoxious save it for the air but it's so true
1: <laughs> it is true don't talk
0: well that's there's there's there are nice <laughs> ways to say it and then there's how you just said it so he comes to New York and he's apparently very smart and he gets a full scholarship to Fordham. Do you know that that's where I went? I went to Fordham. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's that story. <laughs> uh, I think Ernie Glam is the skinny guy, the one who has the Monopoly poster in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His birds keep chirp- chirping during every <laughs> single interview. He's like, so that was the time. Burp, that was the time someone drank their own pee. Burp, burp, burp. It's like, girl.
1: You know who we haven't mentioned? Joanne Witkin. Joanne Witkin, Michael Alec website manager, and her cats. <laughs> oh,
8: that...
0: Yep.
1: She saw Party Monster and reached out to Michael Alec and became his friend on the internet.
0: Great. <laughs> Good job. So, like, at, towards the end of the movie, Pat Field is saying, like, you know, because she, she was in it, but she was still an outsider. Yeah. She had, like, a business to run, and she's a successful businesswoman. So she was kind of, like, not too crazy. <laughs> so at one point, she's like... The kids just wanted to dance. Why can't they just dance? You know, bring back dancing. It's better than being on a treadmill. You get the same exercise. And I'm like, Pat, girl. <laughs> like...
1: That <laughs> feels so a lot.
0: Field. <laughs> oh, whatever.
8: So your best friend screwed you over, acted nice when she not nice. Well, I have some advice. Because it's happened to me twice. Here's my secret strategy. It always works because the world doesn't end. It just feels like it does. So raise your right finger and solemnly swear. Whatever they say about me. Join your game, I will say you make me mad And if you treat me bad, I'll say you're bad And if I eat alone from this moment on, that's just what I'll do Cause I'd rather be me, I'd rather be me I'd rather be me than be with you We're supposed to all be ladies and be nurturing and care Is that really fair? Boys, get a fight we have to share Here's the way that that turns out We always understand How to slap someone down Let's just fight and then make up, not tell these lies. Let's call our damage even clean the slate till it's like new. It's a new life for me. Right from-